Welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast series focusing on critical business decisions. Brought to you by Brady Ware and Company. Brady Ware is a regional, full-service accounting and advisory firm that helps businesses and entrepreneurs make visions a reality. And welcome back to another episode of Decision Vision, a podcast giving you, the listener, clear vision to make great decisions. In each episode, we're discussing the process of decision-making on a different topic. Rather than making recommendations because everyone's circumstances are different, we'll talk to subject matter experts about how they would recommend thinking about that decision. Hi, my name is Mike Blake, and I'm your host for today's program. I'm a director at Brady Ware & Company, a full-service accounting firm based in Dayton, Ohio, with, us, with offices in Dayton, Columbus, Ohio, Richmond, Indiana, and Alpharetta, Georgia, which is where we are recording today. Brady Ware is also sponsoring this podcast. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast aggregator, and please also consider leaving a review of the podcast as well. Uh, so I'm going to apologize to listeners right off the bat. It is uh, in Atlanta here. It is a height of allergy season, and generally speaking, once the pollen count gets above 1,000, the air becomes toxic. Um, so I'm on a, a combination of cocktail to sort of keep me off my feet, and I don't have a cough button. So, uh, but I will try to turn my head if that, if that happens. And uh, um, if you don't suffer from allergies, um, feel blessed that you, uh, you don't suffer from that. But I'm a lunch pail guy. We're gonna, I, we play Hurt, and we're going to continue on through this podcast. We're going to continue on through the episode. And today we're going to talk about opportunity zones. And opportunity zones are newly created tax break-driven investment areas that are designed to promote private investment in economically distressed communities. And you know, they're, they're an interesting topic because, you know, and this is a personal ideological view, I, I think anytime we can harness market forces to promote social welfare, uh, I think that's, that's a good thing to do. Um, there are actually many of these across the country. And uh, as it turns out, I'm very fortunate to live very close to an opportunity zone. So I look forward to seeing how that leads to some uh, development in my own community. Joining us today is, is Vishay Singh, co-founder of the Globe Hub, which is Shambly's premier co-working and entrepreneurship facilitation space located at Peachtree to Cab Airport. And uh, for those of you not in the Atlanta area, PDK Airport is uh, Georgia's second largest uh, commercial airport. So when Super Bowl 53 happened here and all the, uh, all the billionaires came in on their jets, that's where they, they came in. Um, the Globe Hub was established in 2016 by Kevin Hanau and Vishay when they felt a calling to make a lasting impact on the startup community. They had a vision to not only inspire the next generation of entrepreneurs, but to provide them the community, funding, mentorship, and ecosystem that every business owner requires to succeed. Vishay is a successful serial entrepreneur whose current venture is Map Me Local, and maybe if we have a few minutes at the end of the podcast, we've got a chance to learn a little bit about that as well. Globehub's co-working spaces offer plug-and-play memberships to accelerate business growth. They understand the power of the tech community and aim to facilitate meaningful connections across their unique member network. The diversity of people and ideas makes the world better and makes companies better. They're a technology community that promotes high energy, hard work, and creative innovation. And on a personal note, I'm very proud to say that Brady Ware is a member of the Globe Hub, and I personally find it an excellent resource for my own professional needs. Vishay, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. So... Um, we have a, a lot to talk about, but let's uh, let's sort of uh, dive right in. Why did you Why did you start the Globe Hub? Why did you feel there was a need to kind of create a new co-working space? We've got a lot of these things around Atlanta now. Um, 
why do we need why do we need a new one? Actually, I think the um, for for me it was probably the second step to my um, to my needs. Um, the it was for Kevin, um, my my co- my co-founder, who actually came up with that vision because he spent a lot more time in that building, uh, and the building is in a prime location uh, as as you're away, and uh, it had you know it was it was outdated. It had the '80s look, and Kevin was in a pokey hole upstairs, uh, small office, and always had this vision of man, I wish I could just you know have a bigger space, have larger boardrooms, share it with everybody, and keep my rental down while I'm growing up my growing my business called same day printing and when I got there I was um, I was in Marietta Georgia and I had met a bunch of entrepreneurs that wanted to expand with me um, and we were like man we can't be in Marietta Georgia we should get somewhere to you know to, to more the inner city and be where the hype is and be closer to more Millennials and um, and and where the excitement is so uh, we started looking, and then when, when we found uh, 1954 Airport Road, we stumbled upon Kevin and what he was doing, and we, we immediately fell in love with it. And you know, sometimes entrepreneurs go with gut feel versus just the si- pure science of why co-working, etc. But I think um, what we saw instantly, uh, the differences was uh, with that location was you could drive in. Uh, you could park, and it was all on the f- ground floor. You had no hassle of, you know, uh, worrying about how to get upstairs or how to get to your office, and uh, you know, uh, how do you park your vehicle, etc. You can you can eliminate all those thought processes and uh, hurdles, as I call them, from your thought process because you're so focused in what you're trying to do. Uh, so you just want to get into a space, and you want to be inspired, and you want to be with a community, and uh, you you want to build a business. So that's how we decided to, to say, okay, let's just take this, what, what we have, and create a globe hub. But we understand that co-working is uh, and potentially could be the red ocean. Uh, there's still, I think there's still a lot of space of it, especially uh, we're going to talk further about opportunity zones and, and how our strategy would differ. But uh, you know, sh- the long story and short story of it, I always felt that, and I've always been passionate about helping entrepreneurs, I just uh, couldn't figure out whether I was thinking too small. So I needed to think bigger, and I needed to think a dream a bit bigger on how to do this, and I think that's potentially coming together. But the that's that's where we we decided we said let's just do it let's just create the space first let's crawl before we 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 dream we dream and drink a lot of beer and we make nothing happen right so we 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 did, we did it baby steps first we we got 10,000 square feet we've full the community we flushed that community as well to get more and more of the right entrepreneurs there to be able to then create an ecosystem that starts to support itself and like you said a system that where each another could help each another we even crowdsource to each another we crowdfund to each another when somebody's stuck and really can't get any angel money or something we become the angels and we all chip in whatever we've got in our pockets to help the person get the next contract or the next deal so that they can get to the next level i didn't know that that's exactly what go, goes on in our ecosystem. So we don't like, you know, again, it's not about sitting and waiting. If we, you know, if somebody needs something and, and we can't get it from an outside source, all the guys look in and say, let's see how we could just crowdsource it ourselves. In a way, it's kind of a microcosm of the Shambly area, right? I, I've lived in Shambly since 2005. And, you know, in the last three or four years, somebody figured out that Shambly has a MARTA station. 
and right. is right at the intersection of uh, 285 and 85, and of course the airport there. Right. Um, Shamley is booming, right? That's is, right. Is that part of the is that part of the calculus? Or is that something you're excited about with Globe Hub kind of being in the middle of that that renaissance that Shamley's enjoying now? Absolutely. I mean, we um, I would say right place, right time. Uh, nothing more than that. Uh, it was uh, a lot of things can happen by accident. I mean, we went into downtown. We went into Midtown. We looked at other places before uh, we landed up at the at the Globe Building and met the and met Kevin as well as the building entrepreneur who owns the building, Robert Miller, um, and decided, man, this is the right place. And and then you st- slowly start to discover, well, it's you know this uh, it's a hub zone. And then what is a hub zone? What does a hub zone mean? And then next thing is like you know we we figured out there's this uh, press release and a meeting downtown about opportunity zones. And by the way, we look on the map and boom, we're an opportunity zone. What does that mean and how does that potentially help us and help the entrepreneurs uh, within us? But Chambly is blooming. That's another thing that we, you know, it's it's as a consequence of uh, Brookhaven being overfull uh, and Buckhead and that overflow that's that's happening. So it's a natural consequence, I guess. And I think it's, you know, it's it's bound to spread into Doraville uh, and places like that. So, um I think that's that's exciting to have all that and to see all that uh, flourishing uh, around us as well as to see the potential of the hub zone area that needs to now, uh, which is the PDK area and the three-mile radius around it, uh, which needs to now come up with a strategy and a plan on how that's going to unfold itself and become or join into that overflow of where the Whole Foods is and that uh, Solus building across uh, on, uh, of Claremont, etc. So very, very exciting stuff going on there, yeah. You talk about the serendipity of real estate. So, you know, we, we moved into Shambly back in, in, in 2005, and um, I had zero to do with that decision. I, I, we, just, I, we just moved back to Atlanta. I'd moved to Atlanta. My wife moved, moved back. She'd been here. I know nothing about real estate. I'm not even very good at Monopoly. So we're very fortunate that we, we happen to move into the right place. Um, so, I mean, and, and your commitment goes beyond just sort of cheerleading. I mean, you've put in a sub, you know, substantial financial stake in this. Um, it, it, in making that investment, do you see that as a business opportunity as well as a social project? Or do you see it more as purely a social project? I think it's... Um I think it's a hybrid. Um, I think um, the in, the environment does uh, lend itself to being profitable, and uh, we we it's not as if we're not profitable. The uh, the ecosystem and being full, we at capacity. Uh, we can grow upwards by by virtual membership and uh, and monetizing um, other spaces by being creative. So we we have reached that level of profitability. Uh, is it highly profitable to just have one of that? Absolutely not. I think it's the uh, the great American model where uh, typically like franchises and or um, um, similar sort of businesses where you're doing one well, you need to duplicate it in order to reach uh, uh, good revenues uh, revenues and, and reach uh, good valuations. Sometimes when I look at, uh, you know, you, you look online and you look at the valuations of uh, WeWorks and Industrious, uh, it's it's kind of amazing that, you know, they've they've got those numbers and they've got those valuations. So from that perspective, there's, there's definitely an opportunity. Uh, and I think on the on the other hand, it's um, helping entrepreneurs. So I don't know if that's social, but if we if we um, uh, if we look at helping entrepreneurs the way we do it, and uh, you know, by no no means we are an absolute shark tank, or you know, we are. Um, 
having a huge purse string uh, per se, but with our micro-funding methodology and bootstrapping and, and working with entrepreneurs, if they succeed, we succeed. So from that uh uh, we, that's how we uh, landing into, and we'll talk about it later. I guess uh, the Founders Institute and why we're doing that is, is is just tying that up into a mechanism where there could be that risk, uh, uh, the risk of uh, investing time, investing money, uh, and then being rewarded with upsides of one or two of those uh, startups becoming successful in Shambly. So you found Glowhub in, in 2016. You're at 1954 Airport Road. A little over a year goes by. Next thing you know, they they slap an opportunity zone basically right on top of you. Right? Absolutely. Right on, yeah. and you're right in the middle. It basically covers that piece of the cab airport and that industrial, mini industrial complex there. Um, did you know what an opportunity zone was or was going to be? Do you have any idea that was going to happen? Or was that just a, you sort of woke up one day and there's like a big present? That's exactly what it is. Um, it's um, it's the latter. It it just happened. Uh, I've always been aware of uh, economic zones or you know development zones, and the opportunity zone by definition means the same thing. But it's 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 a positive effect. It's it's great to be in that. Uh, it gives us a, a, a larger opportunity because you know I was just trying to look online and trying to look on uh, on. Um, on uh, how many opportunity zones actually do have incubators. And so far, possibly we may have found one that's a veteran owned somewhere up in Virginia that's uh, fallen into that space, and so have we. So it looks like we are you know, one of two that are in the zone, which actually complements our uh, and lends ourselves into the strategy of how we were thinking of expanding because you know, what, what could make us different is our plan now of actually working um, the the dream of um, building uh, entrepreneurs, but perhaps what we could do is build these um, further hubs in opportunity zones uh, and work with those zones, um, uh, work in those uh, cities and, and create a sustainable uh, environment for startups that are funded uh, and also help with the marketing of main streets. So, so there's this opportunity zone, uh, and I have to confess, I didn't know a lot about it, um, until a few months ago, what is what is an opportunity zone? For whom is it an opportunity? Absolutely. So you know, um, I I keep this piece of paper here because it's kind of technical, but we won't get into technical jargon. But the bottom line, it's the uh, the opportunities is is on the left and the right side. So the the left side is uh, taxpayers um, and people that have capital gain, gains events uh, and or uh, postpone capital gains events because they just simply don't want to pay the tax on it. Uh, it's an opportunity for them because then they could liquidate their position, be it, be it a stock, be it a uh, partnership, be it a sell of a business, uh, and that the gain that they're supposed to pay immediately uh, or could not defer through a uh, uh, 1031 exchange, I think it's called, uh, for property, if they could not do that, they have this chance now to invest it in an opportunity zone. And that uh, investment could go two ways. It could go in into a property uh, and enhance a property, uh, and there's uh, rule sets against that, or uh, it could come into a hub like ours and and in, and be invested into startups in our case, and or it could be invested into uh, small small medium businesses. Even if it's a restaurant, a mom and pop store uh, that's doing really good and needs that extra capital. That 
money could be used. So on that side, that's the advantage. On this side, the opportunity is for entrepreneurs to maybe get out of their basements and start thinking bigger uh, and bring out their ideas and and, and really uh, have a good opportunity of having some if I may call it venture fund, or having some access to money, angel money, uh, that could help them get their uh, small businesses or startups in ignited. Uh, and uh, the, the whole idea is then to uh, uplift that community, uplift the environment, and create a sustainable environment that makes it uh, a retainer. It retains entrepreneurs and re- retains the younger uh, audience, the younger people to stay uh uh, back home versus go to Silicon Valley and other places. So, and, and you know this. This I think is a very important point because I, I'm I'm an economist by training. So I'll apologize to everybody for that now. But one of the things that they teach us in economics, at least until you get to the graduate level, is that you sort of set taxes aside. You assume all the models assume there's no taxes, right? And if somebody knows of a place where there's actually no taxes, please let me know. I'd love to go there. But um, it, it calls into focus that you know the fact that taxes do matter, and you know, to I think the way this works, you basically can defer capital gains for up to ten years, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Right. So, you know that 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 increases the return on the same investment, whether you make it in the opportunity zone or not, um, at that level of risk, and therefore it's going to be more attractive. And it's not just attractive to the investor, but the entrepreneur. And I, I imagine on a certain level, an entrepreneur can make an investment in their own business, right? And, and that means they get to defer or somehow you know, uh, offset their own capital gains as well. That's right, yes. As long as it's done in the zone uh, and they're improving that zone by, by, by the definition of those regulations, um, which is still uh, pending final publication, but it's almost there, um, you can absolutely, I think that's absolutely doable. And any any kind of business, it could be an e-commerce business, could be a service business, could be a software startup. Absolutely, from from where it stands right now, it's uh, uh, it, uh, it seems to be pretty clear that that would be covered. Um, there is pending uh, clarity on the regulations with the IRS. Um, just suppose we were expecting it to be published uh, end of March, but it hasn't come out as yet. Uh, we anticipate hopefully now May or June. Uh, but that was uh, pieces of the um, uh, the actual discussion by the uh, by the uh, forums that uh, that took place in DC, uh, where uh, interest parties went and lobbied for further to have clarity that it can cover these uh, broader spectrums. Well, if it gives you any comfort, we have about 50 accountants back in my office that are tearing their hair out because the IRS has not even published final guidelines on all of the Tax, tax Cut and Jobs Act at the end of 2017. So we're still guessing. And even if you, uh, if you, if you do TurboTax for your own taxes now, the program says, well, this is what we think it's going to be, but the regulations aren't final yet. So That's the right. IRS has a lot of regulations to write. Um, so are you seeing this impact the Globe Hub? Are you seeing an uptick in interest and activity? And if so, kind of, what does that look like? Definitely. I mean, we, we've seen uh, a positive impact on it. Uh, I think that's how I think it's also contributed us to being at full capacity uh, because it's definitely encouraging um, a lot of startup entrepreneurs and a lot of uh, uh, businesses to, to want to think about um, how they could be part of the zone, how could they get um, access to capital. And uh, strangely, a lot of the businesses that come in, it's not purely 
just looking at how could I just get access to capital. It's it it's working out by definition complementary to what they're trying to do. So like Shambly is growing in that film industry. Uh, it's growing in, you know, uh, in leaps and bounds with studios and, and, and the like. So we're finding a lot of inquiries of those entrepreneurs saying, we will, you know, we want to set up a studio. We want to set up an office there because we want to uh, launch films or we want to raise funds for um, uh, film, uh, for, for the, for the uh, creating films in, in, in Shambly. So we've seen quite a bit of that. We've seen other entrepreneurs um, in tech and non-tech come through um, and make inquiries because they've learned or heard about the OZ. And uh, we have the double whammy where you can also, uh, if you're in our zone, you also hub zone, which allows you to get some extra points when you qualify to do government contracting as well. Oh. So there's, there's that advantage too. So and and doing some uh, homework before our conversation today, I looked on a map, and, and there are lots of these opportunity zones all across the country, right? So for our listeners that are outside of Atlanta, outside of Georgia, chances are very good. If you live in the United States, you live close to an opportunity zone. Is that, is that accurate? Did I read that correctly? I think that's quite correct. If you, if you just Google it and just put up opportunity zone map, uh, you'll, you'll get the, uh, uh, the maps that come up, and uh, you'll see all the brown dots. It's, it's spread out throughout the U.S., um, and um, ch- chances are, if you are in, in a major city like Atlanta, uh, there's one there's one atom near you. There's there's uh, I live in Marietta, and there's um, uh, there's several zones in Marietta, and uh, really good good uh, opportunities for building acquisitions and or rejuvenation of certain buildings, which will make turn Marietta around in the next ten years, from what I can see. So in order to take advantage of an opportunity zone, do you have to apply for a license? Do you have to file anything? Or do you, do you have that level of knowledge? Or is it, is it, do you just check a box? How, how do you sort of tell the IRS, hey, I'm in an opportunity zone, so, you know, give me these benefits? Sure. I, I think it, it, it's not about the – yeah, it's about um, – it's, it's about a process. There's, uh, they, there is paperwork, but it's nothing – um, um, that I can see that's a special application. Uh, it's more uh, who is that investor and does that investor have a capital gain event and is he or she investing in your um, business? And then there is a form that the investor will fill in and file with their IRS return. And uh, uh, and there's a simple methodology that that could be a partnership or whatever in which they put the money into. So it's it's trans, it's just transactional, like as if you're investing in any other business. Uh, and then from you as a business owner, it's the the the, the basic uh, requirements of do you have an LLC or do you have a company uh, or do you have a partnership and do you have a business license in in that area, uh, and I think the business license will help confirm that you are in the zone, and perhaps a lease agreement, or in our case, we have the membership agreement coupled with a lease agreement if both are needed, um, and that's only for purposes of uh, your accountants, auditors having that to satisfy them. I don't think the IRS, the IRS seems to be quite lenient with not being too red taped about this. Uh, I think they understand this is a uh, process for entrepreneurs. And I think finally America is getting to understand that entrepreneurs need less red tape and get easier access to money so that they can run with uh, with their business ideas or at least one business idea. Yeah, I'm sure there's a form for that. And I don't, I don't know what the number of the form is, but if you just go to irs.gov and you do a search for Opportunity Zone, mm-hmm. chances are very good. There will be links that pop up and you can see what the form looks like. 
Uh, and it's comforting to know this is not a place the IRS is really digging in and making it a massive bureaucratic uh, yeah. challenge. Um, so a, a lot of listeners, when, when you hear something like an opportunity zone, you're, you're creating a tax incentive to invest in a certain area. I think in many people's minds, I think with, with some fairness, it evokes, well, if, if you have to offer an, an incentive to invest in a particular area, it must be a disaster area. It must be rat infested. It must be gang infested. It must be dilapidated. Whatever lousy adjective you have, right? Um, is, is that necessarily the case? If I'm going into an opportunity hub, do I need to be prepared to walk into a disaster area? I think I'm smiling because I think every time when I drive around with Kevin because he grew up in the neighborhood and I show you've lived there, it's like that's probably uh, aptly describes what Shamley Brookhaven was many, many, many years ago. Unfortunately, I didn't have the um, privilege of seeing that, but having grown up in South Africa, I've seen a a lot of that. So, you know, almost many areas start off like that and and eventually, you know, the right ideas come about, the right ways of cleaning up a city, the right ways of um, uh, creating good, sustainable uh, econ- uh, economy or businesses in there to 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 sustain the environment and and bringing on better homes, etc. Uh, help build up an area. So, I think you're absolutely right. There are those areas. They are definitely part of it, uh, and I think it's. Um, it's a, a long, long-term vision in terms of this process that that would happen, uh, and it's possible that certain po- pockets of that will happen. Uh, but we, I call it the, the where the opportunities within the opportunity zone is what I call the sandwiched zones. The sandwiched zones are those zones that are kind of like us, where we are somewhere in between, where Shambly is booming, uh, Brookhaven is fold out and, and is doing well. Shambly is booming, and there's these pockets in Shambly that need... Uh, that that are opportunity zones and that can be turned around and complement the entire ecosystem. Um, so there's those. So what you have to do is just put a magnifying glass on and look for those because those are going to be easier for you to start a business in and have direct access to uh, a more affluent community or more affluent buyers just around you in an eight-mile radius, right? And then those that have the, the I would say, the entrepreneurs with grit and gut and maybe deeper pockets are going to go for the other areas which could be as uh, as bad as as what you describe but they still they still see longer term opportunity in that and they would come out on the other side and you know uh, probably redevelop it or create something about it or create a you know uh, a, a new form of uh, um, sustainable buildings etc or homes or or properties because you know those things are included so the, by definition the IRS is included uh, apartment uh, living or, or anything to do with uh, some some form of uh, commercial mix uh, like live work play etc seems to be covered so i think those uh, really deep uh, areas that do let's call it you know poverty stricken or crime ridden that could could um, could could be cleaned out uh, could absolutely be done as well. There's a lot of that in Macon, Georgia, and I've been traveling to Macon, Georgia, back and forth, and doing a little bit of uh, spec projects there. Um, and we would love to get into the main streets. Our target, our focus, is going to be main streets of Atlanta because we have this whole theory that main streets are sick, and we can help fix it by bringing in a globe hub into each main street. Maybe not as big as what we have, maybe a smaller model, an express model, but then collaborating, working with those businesses uh, and the city to uh, to create some form of uh, digital marketing 
all together in one single platform, and that's where we'll probably talk a little bit later with the MapMe local software. Okay. Yeah. Good. So um, you mentioned in passing, I do want to touch on this. You're involved in the Founders Institute. and Correct. Am I correct in saying you're 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 now f- you're, you're creating the Atlanta chapter of Founders Institute? Correct. Is that correct? Correct. That's the first yeah. presence in the area. Correct. What is that? What's the elevator pitch for Founders Institute? So it's um, um, if I had to just say it simply, it's designed for people coming out of corporate environment and or startup entrepreneurs, maybe you know the one vice versa, but it's designed for people like that that are thinking about entrepreneurship or are you know wanting to become an entrepreneur, um, and they just need a way to understand how that entire environment works and understand what hurdles they will face and understand, uh, you know, basically the Founders Institute will give you a really good platform to get you through that. They, it's a, it's a Founders Institute basically in Atlanta, if uh, having gone through the process now, by definition what we're going to be doing is pulling together like um, very experienced entrepreneurs in Atlanta, in our uh, uh, in our own environment, from from larger companies to smaller companies that have experienced even from bankruptcy to uh, building, f- uh, you know, a hundred million companies to come share their experiences with these want to be or want to be entrepreneurs in a sixteen week program. The program is well defined, but it's the experience of the entrepreneur that's already gone through it to coupled with the theory behind it that will be shared in evening classes to these uh, startup entrepreneurs. So essentially, it's, it's that's the first stage. And the second stage is if you get through all that, you know you want to become an entrepreneur. You don't particularly drop out. You get through that to, through that hard phase and you, you know what you're going to be in for and you really want to do it. Then you go to the next stage of getting going through the Founders Institute, maybe going up to Silicon Valley and or looking within the Globe Hub for funding and getting your startup uh, up and running. You know, it's an interesting approach. Um, and, and you, you touch upon something that I do when I – advise people that are thinking about entrepreneurship. I, I feel like I do people the best service and they say, I think I want to start my own business by trying to scare them out of it yes. <laughs> and, and try to show them how how ugly and how terrifying it is. You know, for every Jeff Bezos out there that is you know, glamorous and is obviously enormously successful as a transformative business, there are others that are not that. And, and even though they may not fail, it's a slog it's probably harder than the day job that you just left, certainly more stressful than the day job that you just left. And it sounds like you kind of take that, take that approach where, hey, you want to be an entrepreneur? Great. But before you take that plunge, let's give you sort of a little look as to what you're really signing up for because it's not, it's not all what they publish in Fast Company, for example, or Entrepreneur Absolutely. Magazine. It's an absolute window. And uh, we actually, Founders Institute encourages you to keep your day job. Therefore, they put the program from 6 in the evening and run it for two hours once a week so that you can get kick-started. You can, if you go th- once you go through the program, in that process, you then encourage to, do you want to incorporate? And, you know, there's a lawyer that will come and show you how to incorporate and get you, get you to, to take that step. So you can take those baby steps towards, um, towards being, to heading true not to where you want to be successful. But it is about, you know, uh, the truth of it is, is how do you want to, we, we want to get you to a point where, you don't 
like most of us entrepreneurs went through a lot of pain, even though we did our MBAs and stuff like that, we still go through a lot of pain in growing a business. Uh, and that pain is uh, as a consequence of maybe not understanding the entire landscape and not having had sufficient uh, coaches, mentors, uh, experienced um, entrepreneurs like you know yourself, Michael, and everybody else uh, around us that has had gone through a couple of ventures to say, you know what, this is what happens. This is my experience. It may not happen to you, but just be aware of this. And you know, the, the, the academic side is great, but, you know, when, when you get to nuts and bolts, it's all about you. And it's, you know, entrepreneurship for me is by definition entering within. That's how I, I see entrepreneurship is the moment you become an entrepreneur is actually entering to your, into your own self and challenging your own self into how you're going to break all these barriers and uh, create create a successful business. Yeah, you, you mentioned the MBA. So, I, you know, I have, a, uh, I have an MBA myself and... Um, you know, and I've started a couple of businesses, and I found, you know, frankly, the MBA did not teach me a lot of the blocking and tackling. It's fine. It, it, my MBA at least would teach me if I wanted to go on Wall Street, I wanted to work for Bain or McKinsey, Home Depot's corporate department. Lots of tools to help you there. And of course, this is twenty years ago. My diploma is in a cave painting in France somewhere. But nevertheless, you know, the basic MBA doesn't necessarily teach you um, how do you send an invoice. How do you negotiate a fee? How do you set a fee? How do you create a proposal, right? How do you, how do you become an amateur graphics designer so you're not just sending dense text things to everybody? Um, and, and, you know, how do you deal with the stress, the loneliness, the, the, the thing about, you know, you might have a panic attack because you're not sure how you're going to make payroll in the next four That's days, right. right? That gets so real. And for, even for myself, as somebody who's done it, I mentor, I teach entrepreneurship, I've helped people win business plan competitions. Even with all that, it still punched me in the face That's and right. was jarring. So to whatever extent that you know, Founders Institute can, can prepare people for that, for that first punch, if you will, uh, I think that's going to make all the world a difference because I, 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 personally, I've I felt it. Um, so I went onto the Founders Institute website, again, preparing for this, this interview, and uh, it turns out the Atlanta part says coming soon. Sure. So you can't necessarily sign up yet. You can't get on the mailing list, which I now am on. Um, when do you think you're going to launch? When are you going to be open for business? The uh, official launch will be May 16th. Uh, we'll have um, an invitation. We'll send an invitation. We'll run some ads as well, adverts and uh, email, as you mentioned. And uh, we'll put it on our Globe Hub uh, uh, digital assets. So 16th May, we'll have the first gathering. Uh, and then the website and signing up on the website should be in the next, uh, I'd say, after next week. We just we ourselves had to graduate and totally understand how it's a large portal and it's a large uh, organization. It's a great brand. Adeya Rassi is um, uh, a pretty phenomenal entrepreneur himself, the CEO of uh, Founders Institute. And he takes personal pride in making sure it's him or his uh, COO that works with, with each new city that comes about. Uh, so we had to go, uh, my team had to go through a six weeks process with them. And every week we had to go through kind of funny uh, assignments. It felt like we were back in MBA school, but uh, quite practical and quite relevant because when we finished off with it, it was like, okay, we got it. It was more about understanding the depth of the portal, understanding the depth of uh, uh, and the intensity of uh, making sure we communicate the right things to the people and then making sure that uh, we 
make an environment that's going to be exactly what you described. It's going to be an environment with the right entrepreneurs sharing the right experiences to people that want to become entrepreneurs. And that way, it's like a fail. They'll have that fail safe. They'll have things, uh, mechanisms to help them achieve uh, success faster even if it could be a small business. I mean, of course, everybody wants to have the big tech idea or the big innovative idea. But if you've got a good, solid business that you know is going to make you 500K to a million, nothing wrong with that. Nothing. I, you know, and I call those meat and potatoes businesses, that's right? It. They're not necessarily sexy. All they do is make money. That's it. But That's it. Nothing wrong with that because that's what, spun, that. that's what turns economies, that's what changes cities, and that's what creates employment. All right. So – uh, I want to give you a chance to talk a little bit just about Map Me Local because I know that's that's the big venture that you're involved in now right. before we wrap up here. What's the elevator pitch of Map Me Local and, and kind of where are you with that? So, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's pivoting and it's, uh, it's growing. Map Me Local has always had success in uh, the um, – I would say the, the immediate goal was to help uh, small entrepreneurs or help small businesses, especially businesses that had uh, bricks and uh, bricks and motor. Uh, we focused on local search and we focused on getting their Google My Business right. And and besides the Google My Business, and a lot of entrepreneurs just don't understand that behind that there's some little little pieces of SEO work, the little secrets that need to uh, be executed, and then. And then the calls started to happen, and people started to get this. So, we've always been doing that, and we've um, we've had um, success and failure in it, uh, and that's uh, and and that's a good thing because um, we we achieving what we achieving over time as a services uh, vertical is to make sure that we're able to help small businesses and succeed at it and get them the right uh, amount of local searches that they need which is their digital billboard at the end of the day. And that ecosystem has completely changed from your you know, yellow pages to putting up a billboard sign and sending out pamphlets and, and doing that. Basically, that service is working well. But where we're pivoting to, and we've always been um, getting closer, is we're building a uh, software that literally pins and maps out uh, events, festivals, and what we want to do is map out main streets of uh, main streets in America. So that's where Map Me Local and the the idea was was first uh, uh, conceived was to how to build something that we could map it out better than Google would and privatize it. In other words, it's then focused for the city, and the city would have absolute control over it, and they'd be use it, be able to use it as a marketing tool, and so would the small businesses be able to use it as a marketing tool without having to go through spending lots of money to try and get found online. Yeah, and I'm going to go off the script a little bit because it brings up a question I find really interesting. You know, local search has been around, has been a topic for at least 15 years, right? at a minimum since the iPhone was introduced and probably even a little bit earlier than that. Why has that been such a hard nut to crack? Nobody's really figured that out yet. Why? It's, it's as a consequence of, um, of, of the evolving technology. And the very fact that everything evolves, just like uh, your website has evolved over time, and uh, people evolve, and people's behavior evolves as well. So stupid people! <laughs> everybody changes the way they want to do things, and people want, want more. Don't make me think uh, IoT uh, systems, right? Uh, Internet of Things systems. So when you look at your device, a device has grown from typing in something to, hey Siri, 
tell me where uh, you know I can get my nearest tacos or give me the address to Radio X. You know that's that's how it goes these days. So voice search has changed the environment. The one thing that the landscape of uh, of local search has uh, has changed, but I wouldn't say drastically. I say I, I would think that because Google's the godfather of it right now, um, they they have their methodology of changing algorithms and they have the met- methodology of wanting to do things better every time. So that kind of impacts on where you're at, um, and then it's just broad. the The broad the depth of it is it's just not about Google My Business. It's about that. Plus, it's about your web page where you have your contact us and you have your your pin, and then it, it depends on your business. It could be then about Open Table, it could be could be about Yelp, it could be about City Search. So there's all these directories, right? And then there's these godfathers of the directories as well that uh, Infosys, Axiom, that control data, and it just it spreads from there. So everybody has a role to play in it. And that's you know when you think about it as brabies or the or the yellow yellow pages, that's why the yellow pages existed because uh, you know nobody could really control it until it got together and published it into one publication. It's the same thing that's happening in in, in the internet. So it's a question of how do you manage all that? How do you you know go get through all that to make it successful for your business? Okay, we'll look forward to uh, seeing the uh, the evolution of the post pivot map me local. Um, all right, so you know, we're, we're about time to kind of wrap up. How, how can people contact you or follow you to learn more about Opportunity Zones, Globe Hub, Founder Institute, all these things you're, in, you're interested in? How can people Absolutely. follow Absolutely. Yeah, just contact us on uh, the, 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 at, or visit us at, online at theglobehub.com. Uh, you will find our social assets there. We've got Instagram, we've got uh, Facebook, we've got Twitter. Um, I have uh, also uh, uh, mapmelocal.com. You'll get my personal uh, Facebook and, and Twitter through mapmelocal. You'll find me through that. Um, so that's, those are the best ways to, to, to contact us or just email me at uh, vishay uh, at com. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today's program. I'd like to thank Vishay Singh so much for joining us and sharing his expertise with us. We'll be exploring a new topic each week, so please tune in so that when you're faced with your next business decision, you have clear vision when making it. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider leaving a review with your favorite podcast aggregator. It helps people find us so that we can help them. Once again, this is Mike Blake. Our sponsor is Brady Ware & Company, and this has been the Decision Vision Podcast.